This message is presented by Pastor Chuck Wilson. Okay, my name is Chuck Wilson. I'm the pastor at New Hope Community Church, and we are going to finish up Daniel chapter 2. I was debating whether I should keep going with it or just jump to 3, but two really crazy, fascinating things happen here at the end that gotta, gotta, you're going you're gonna to love this part. It, uh, <clears throat> two shocking things, really, I think, that happen. And I'm going to call this the first step. The first one is the first step, and then I'm going to hit a Christmas connection at the end of that. Daniel 2, 46 to 49. Speaking of first steps, baby's first step is a big deal. At our house, a really big deal. Now that we've had 14 of them going through, 13 kids and one granddaughter going through, big deal at our house. We've got the videos. The kids are helping. They're videotaping. They're all cheering. The baby has to run a gauntlet. Scary, but exciting. Uh, they couldn't do it without their parents. Or their siblings taking that first step. Although a lot of times we have to put some of the kids to bed just so they're not terrified. But that first step is big. And the same thing is spiritual. We must all take a first step. A first step. And it's scary. That first step is scary. Some of you maybe are ready to take that first step. Some of you have already taken the steps. You've put your faith in Christ. You've already done that. But others are just checking it out. Checking out God. Checking out Jesus. Looking at this prophecy stuff. That's awesome. Awesome. Uh, Take those steps as God takes you along, but maybe you're on your first step. We're going to see how Nebuchadnezzar takes his first step to faith. Doesn't become a believer yet, but he takes a big step toward that. We're going to follow him all the way through the book of Daniel. Wait till you see where he ends up. Shocking, because this guy, monster, just like all of us, monster. And uh, so, real quick, he has this nightmare. God gets his attention, just like God uses some nightmare in our life often to shake us up, just like he was all shook up. He melts down. Daniel's able to come in and, and, and bring answers to him through God and give him answers to life. And he takes, we're going to see he takes his first step spiritually right now. Father, we thank you for what you did in Nebuchadnezzar's life and the hope that it gives each one of us monsters that you can do the same in our life. And Lord, I pray for that person out there who's listening to this or watching this that you are starting to break. They've been proud. They've been like all of us, proud and self-sufficient and, and mean and uh, pro, uh, you know just you know a hammer on everyone, but Lord, that you're starting to soften them up. And I pray that this would be the beginning of their breaking and coming to faith in Christ and finding real life in Jesus. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's read the passage first of all. Nebuchadnezzar's first step. Verse 46, Daniel chapter 2, verse 46. Then Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate, prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you are able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while David himself remained at the royal court. Woo! Nebuchadnezzar's first step. Look what happens. He falls on his face. That's huge. This guy had never bowed to anybody before. He bows down to Daniel. And this is vital because this is the beginning of Nebuchadnezzar's breaking. 
we must all be broken at the beginning because we're proud and we don't need God and we can do it on our own and we think Christians are nuts and you know and, and this is what God has to break us and we'll see that it takes a total this is just the beginning it's going to take a total breakdown for Nebuchadnezzar later he was one tough cookie it's going to take a total breakdown to really reach him but he, he has this nightmare he lost it he's ready to kill everybody he's literally ready to kill everybody Daniel not only interprets but he gives him a positive meaning to it positive spin God spin that that this is really saying something nice about Nebuchadnezzar. His nightmare is like wow. So what does he do? He bows to Daniel. It reminds us what Alexander we saw last time. Alexander the Great did the same thing to the high priest in Jerusalem. We read Josephus' history. Josephus writing a little bit after the time of Christ, and he wrote a, wrote this history that corroborated this whole uh, prophecy of Daniel. Amazing. What was he, what he was really responding to when he bowed down to Daniel is he's really responding to God. Daniel's God, right? He saw God in Daniel. And he's really giving him credit by what he said next. Verse 47, he said, The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries for you are able to reveal this mystery. God of gods. He's still polytheistic. He's still polytheistic, but at least he put God number one. <laughs> That's a big jump. God wasn't even on the even on the the chart earlier, but now he's number one. He's he's still polytheistic, but gave, gave God number one. It reminds me of AA, the higher power. It reminds me a lot of times of athletes and movie stars. Uh, all the time, give give. You know, they talk about the higher power. They realize there's a higher power that they need help. They're starting to break and they realize they start to need help. But they're, they're just at that first step, that higher power step. What was the key for him getting to this step? It was his relationship with Daniel. That's the key to bringing someone to Christ. They have to see God in us. It, it could take years. It takes Nebuchadnezzar many years. Wait till we see it. But it takes many people that in our lives years as they see God in us. They realize that it's God doing these things. And, and we're, we're loving these, these family. We're loving them. We're live, uh, family and friends, family. We're living out our faith. They see how we handle our crisis, the crises and our nightmares. They're seeing God at work in our life and their hearts are being touched. And they are living without God. We're living this out before them, but the whole time they're living without God. They're searching. They are experiencing nightmares. And who do they often come to? They come to us when that hits. When they hit their nightmare, when a nightmare hits them, they come and ask us these tough questions and we're able to share with us. We don't have the answers. Like Danny, we don't have the answers, but God does. His word does. And we point them to him and to his word and say we're praying for them and they see God working in us. Nebuchadnezzar is not saved yet, but he's not converted yet, but he takes a very important first step. We're going to see lots more steps as we go along in this in the other chapters. He's not converted yet, but he does promote Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If we are faithful, like they were with the food, if we are available, like they were to pray with Daniel, uh, God will use us more and more to reach more and more people. How about us? Do people see God in us? Do they see God in us? Do they see the Holy Spirit in us? Are, are our lives leading them to God? Are they saying, wow, and, 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 and wanting to worship and, and putting their faith in Jesus because of their connection with us? Are we promotable like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Are we promotable on that team that we're on, on in our school, in our job, 
at our, in our neighborhood, wherever we are, can God use us to make bigger and bigger impacts? Are we promotable? Do people see the Holy Spirit in us? Are, do we have that relationship-based evangelism? We're not just telling people about Jesus, which is very, very important, very important, but are, do we have the relationships too that people are seeing us and, 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 and feeling the love of Christ in us and help, are we helping other people take that next step of faith? Maybe you are ready to take that step of faith. Maybe God is breaking you, just like Nebuchadnezzar. Maybe you realize that there's a higher power and there's another step to take. And his name, his name, the higher power's name is Jehovah God, God the Father. And he has a son, Jesus Christ. And there's only one way to him. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's one way to the higher power, to God, the only higher power, God. And there's one way, and that's through His Son, Jesus Christ, by putting our faith in His Son, Jesus, who died on the cross to pay for our sin, to make peace with God, to be our substitute, so that we could put our faith in Him and have a relationship with His Father. For God so loved the world, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? And maybe you're just taking some baby steps. Our church, most churches, safe place to search and, and to, to seek. That's great. Take your baby steps. But you don't have to just take baby. You can run anytime. You can run to Jesus anytime and put your faith in him. We'll end with a little time of prayer at the end. But there's one more surprise that I want to talk about. One more surprise. And it's actually connected to Christmas. It's connected to Christmas. <clears throat> now, we saw that Daniel last time already predicted the second coming. We're going to see in Daniel 9 that he predicts the crucifixion. You are going to be shocked by that. But he also plays a role in predicting the first coming, the, the Christmas birth of Jesus. The wise men especially, the wise men, and very, very interesting here. We saw how Daniel was promoted. We'll see how this promotion prepared for the birth of Jesus Christ, especially the wise men. Let's look at Daniel 2.48 where it says, Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all of its wise men. Wise men. You know where I'm going with this. Uh, we're all the wise men. They, these wise men were there with Jesus, baby Jesus, at his, you know, two years after his birth. They were there because of Daniel. I always wondered where they come from. Where these guys come from? Daniel, Daniel is the, the connection. Daniel's impact lasted long after his death. His legacy continued. He kept impacting the Gentiles. The word magi, you've heard the magi many times. The English, English equivalent is magician. The magician, the, the three magi, uh, we call, say three, we don't know how many there were. Three, does that sound familiar? The magicians, the magi sound familiar? In Daniel chapter two, we just saw that he, he was in charge of the wise men. There was a Chaldeans guild. They were called the wise men. And included in the wise men were the magicians, the magi. The, and that's where we get the, the tradition of the three. We don't know how many there were, but the three wise men. They studied astrology and astronomy. They studied philosophy, science, and math. They were the king's cabinet, which we saw last time in Babylon, and, and long after they still were. We saw with Daniel with Darius and ongoing. Last week we saw that Daniel was uh, promoted to the top of the wise men. And last time, I'm sorry, the last time we saw he was promoted to the top of the wise men. We know he must have rejected the astrology part, but he knew astronomy well, very well. 
And uh, because he knew, and he also knew the Bible very well. He knew astronomy well. He knew the Bible well. And because of that, he must have developed a following and taught them the Bible, the Hebrew Bible. He must have taught them that. And one of the main emphasis of the Old Testament that Daniel had his hands on, one of the main emphasis is the Messianic prophecies, the prophecies of Messiah. Couple, uh, you can go on our regular website with the sermons. Uh, Joe Simon had talked about messianic promises of Jesus' resurrection. He has another class. I'm trying to get him to do a whole another series on that. The prophecies about the Messiah. There are many, many of them. But let's turn to Matthew 2 and connect some dots. Let's connect some dots. In Matthew 2, verse 1, we'll pick it up verse 2, the visit of the Magi. After G- Matthew 2.1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go make a careful search for the child as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. By another route. So, we see this amazing story, the star that led the wise men. We're not sure what it was. There's lots of theories. Was it a supernova? Was it the pilot's? Planets aligning, possible, but it's likely it was a supernatural star, a supernatural light in the sky that led them to the town and to the actual house uh, where Jesus was living at that time. It reminds us of God's glory. Remember when the Israelites came out of Egypt, they followed the pillar of fire, and that pillar of fire just led them. And it had to be something like that. That pillar of fire stood over the tabernacle. That pillar of fire was over the tabernacle, and the tabernacle is a picture of Jesus Christ. The, the, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and uh, truth. We have seen it, uh, the flesh became, uh, <laughs> the Word became flesh and made His Dwelling among us. Dwelling among us is, the literal word means tabernacled. Jesus tabernacled among us. Alright? Uh, John 1, 14. Or 1, 12. Anyway, I'm doing the best I can on memory. 1, 12 or 1, 14. And so it's, he dwelt among us. He tabernacled among us. And that's a, a, a picture of, uh, of Jesus. And so I think the same thing happened just as that pillar of fire, this, this somehow this light, this, this supernatural Light came over. It was like like a, a spotlight that kept leading them. I know as kids we would see these spotlights up in the sky, and uh, we would be we would be following them. I, I got to give you the right verse. John one. I think it's twelve. 
That's what happens when you get old. You can't read exactly yet. Uh, 14, I was right. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That literally says tabernacled among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1.14. So it reminds me of that spot, once back, the, the star, the spotlight. As kids, we'd see these spotlights up in the sky and we, they were, we were like, we gotta follow them someday. And one day we badgered my dad at night and he, he got in the car and we drove. We kept following, driving, 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 following wherever that spotlight was coming from. And we finally got to it and it was like this department store and they had a big spotlight in the back shining and they were trying to get people to follow the light to the department store and, and go shopping there. And that's, I don't think they do that anymore, but, the, but that, that was a, really fun to find this. But this spotlight was coming down. It wasn't coming from the ground. It was coming down, showing them where Jesus was. It was a supernatural light. Okay? And it was a star, and it's probably based on, and this is why they were looking for it, because Daniel knew the word. He knew this and many other prophecies, and he had them ready. And it's probably from Numbers 24.17. Numbers 24.17, here's a prophecy. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. A star will come out of Jacob. They were watching for the star, the messianic star. And they saw this had to be some, some kind of star to get their attention. And they were all these years later, passed on from the time of Daniel. All these years later, these wise men were waiting. And they head to Jerusalem because they knew that when the star appeared, that it was the Messiah, and they knew he was going to be the royal Messiah. They knew that because of the prophecies that Daniel said, taught them the Messiah must be in the palace by now, so they, they head to the palace. But uh, <clears throat> instead, they get there, and he's not there. They're sent to Bethlehem because the, the priest, the chief priests, the priests knew that, the chief priest and the priests knew that, that it was Bethlehem. They knew the word. There was a messianic expectation. The Jews were waiting for the Messiah. They were studying the prophecies. They couldn't wait. They wanted to get out from under Roman rule and they thought when Jesus came, he was going to wipe them out. He didn't wipe them out the first time. Remember last time? Rocks, second coming. The rock smashes Rome. Second coming smashes the revived Roman Empire. That's the second coming. But <clears throat> they, they were sent to Bethlehem, which means house of bread. Jesus, the bread of heaven, is born in the house of bread. They, he, uh, they were staying in Bethlehem, which was Joseph's hometown, probably because they still had many relatives living there, and the stigma of having this baby out of, you know, getting pregnant out of wedlock was probably less there than in her hometown. And they worship, the, the wise men worship him. They give him these amazing gifts. They give him gold, Jesus, once again, is the king. Matthew's seen Jesus, the king of the Jews. Where's the king of the Jews, they ask? They give him gold. Where else would you give a king? They also give him frankincense. Frankincense. Jesus is not only king, but he's God. Frankincense is from a tree in Arabia and Africa. And they would tap it, and it would get this rare, valuable uh, perfume substance out of it and they would burn it and, and the aroma was used for worship since ancient times. In fact, in the Old Testament, it was commanded to use frankincense to worship Jehovah God. In Exodus 30, verse 34, Exodus 30, verse 34, the altar of incense, the altar of incense Verse 34, then the Lord said to Moses, take fragrant spices, gum, resin, anica, and I should have read this before, galbanum, and pure frankincense. 
all in equal amounts. Pure frankincense. It was used in, in Exodus 30, verse 34, in the worship of the tabernacle. And this fragrant, this frankincense is once a, a, again a picture of Jesus Christ. They knew Daniel's prophecy from Daniel 7 that the Messiah would be God's son. It's in Ma- Daniel 7. Wait till we get there. God's son. And so they knew they were going to worship him as the son. And so they brought frankincense, which was used to worship God since ancient times. They also brought a surprise gift. They brought myrrh. They brought myrrh. Why would these guys who Daniel trained and set up, why would they bring myrrh? Myrrh was a burial spice. Why would you give a baby burial spice? I mean, that's crazy, right? But yet, uh, only Mary really knew. Uh, she's probably the only one who uh, probably had really cut her, right? And this, <clears throat> speaking of cut, <clears throat> myrrh comes from a thorn bush. They would cut the thorn bush, and the white sap as it came out would turn blood red. Blood red. And when you would take that myrrh and mix it with wine, it would be, work as a painkiller. A painkiller. Remember in Mark 15, 23, they offered this very thing to Jesus and he refused it. But when he didn't refuse myrrh, is after his death, they put it on his dead body. John 19, 39, when they wrapped Jesus' body, they wrapped him in myrrh to, to dull the smell of decay. They wrapped him in myrrh. Jesus was born. Why did they give it to him at his birth? Because he was born to die. He was born to die. John, Daniel 9, 26, Wait till we get there, teaches that the Messiah would be killed. And Daniel also taught these wise men, and it was passed on year after year. They knew the prophecies. Wait till we see the prophecies in Daniel 7, 8, 9. Amazing. And Daniel even prophesied that from the time the decree was given to rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah was cut off, it was going to be 476 years. These guys knew that it was already 440 years they already knew that when they see the star, they know there's only 36 years to go till the Messiah is cut off until he, he's killed. They know that. That's why they brought myrrh too. They brought myrrh for the same reason. Wait till we get to that part. Amazing prophecies. Jesus was born to die. He was born to die. That's why he came. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus came to die for our sins on that cross to make a way for us to be forgiven. If we will put our faith in him, we can be forgiven and have life. Life that starts the second we pray the prayer of faith and goes on throughout all of eternity. Maybe you, maybe you are like the wise men. Maybe you have been seeking. Maybe you've been searching for years. They searched for two years. Maybe you've been searching for years. The Holy Spirit has been speaking to your heart through things that are happening in your life and through the Word and through prophecies that you've been hearing and the teachings and the same prophecies that call the wise men are calling you today. This this amazing testimony, this amazing testimony of, of, of Jesus that we see here. Even even Josephus talks about this the same, same amazing things with Jesus. Josephus himself, the, the uh, Jewish historian for the Romans, he talked about Daniel. Remember last time we talked about Daniel? We saw Nebuchadnezzar. We saw Alexander the Great. We even find Jesus Christ in the writings of Josephus. Listen to what he says. I don't, I'm not sure where he ended up faith-wise, but listen to what he said in his history. His history. Now there was about this time Jesus 
a wise man, if it be lawful to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure. He drew over to him both many of the Jews and many of the Gentiles. He was the Christ. And when Pilate, at the suggestion of the principal men among us, had condemned him to the cross, those that loved him at the first did not forsake him, for he appeared to them alive again the third day, as the divine prophets had foretold these and ten thousand other wonderful things concerning him. And the tribe of Christians, so named from him, are not extinct to this day. Wow! Even Josephus, even Josephus, are you ready to give your heart to Jesus? Are you ready to receive the gift of life by putting your faith in Jesus? Let's pray. Father, I pray that every person who's hearing this, watching this, listening to this, every person who has not put their faith in you, that they would be cut to the heart, that your Holy Spirit would speak to them through your prophetic word, through your Holy Spirit's power. Father, I pray that you would speak to them and they would pray the prayer of faith. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The prayer of faith, God, I believe in Jesus. I put my faith in Jesus. I believe he was your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sin in my place as a substitute for me. I believe he came back from the dead to prove he was the son of God and to give me a brand new life. I put my faith in him. I don't want the old life anymore. I walk away from that. I repent of that. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him. I pray every person hearing this would take that step of faith in Jesus' name.